Well, hello, Abundant Life. And it's so good to see everyone. If you have your Bibles, uh, will you turn to uh, Matthew 7? We're going to come out of verses 24 through 27. Uh, have you been enjoying the Nehemiah series? Wasn't that great? Last eight weeks. I like how Sanjay uh, put a bowl and a tie and wrapped that gift to us. Um, Regina and I were in Oregon visiting our daughter, so I listened online and was totally blessed by that message. Um, now that I have the, your attention, I've always wanted to say this with, for our guest. You know, I was watching Oprah once and... Uh, <laughs> Once. I was watching Oprah once, and um, okay, more than once. I was watching Oprah, and uh, there was a show where these guests thought they were coming for one thing, but you know, she began to say, You get a car, and you get a car, and they were just screaming and hollering and hugging each other. And I was like, What does that feel like to be able to give gifts away like that that just make people shout? Well, special guests, we don't have a car for you. <laughs> But what the Abundant Life family can offer you is a gift that is imperishable. And it is in the person of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that's our gift that we can offer you. We love him so much. It is, he is the only person that every knee will bow and every tongue will one day confess that he is Lord. So... If you're not saved, we just, the best thing that you can do is not leave here until you settle that question in your own hearts. And you, you might just not be, our special guest here might be saved. It might be for anyone here. If you don't know Jesus is your personal Savior, please, please ask the person next to you, um, how, how do I get to know Jesus, the person of Jesus? Um, I see some of my brothers in Christ looking at me going, you watched Oprah? <laughs> Let me explain that. Um, I was trying to put off my carnal nature and walk in the spirit. And when my beautiful bride said, hey, honey, can you stop watching football and watch the Oprah program with me? And so since I'm trying to stop my selfishness and my greed, I submitted to her. And that's the only reason why I watched Oprah. Just thought I'd bring that up. Um, come on, David. Give me my man card back. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father... There's so much to be sad about, so much to grieve. And in your word, you said laughter is medicine to the soul. And it's so good to hear our brothers and sisters laugh. Um, we do know that evil is prevailing. Sin is rapid. People, Father, need you. They need the light. They need the only answer to their soul and to their circumstances. And that's the transforming knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we don't take that lightly, and we come before you now, and we, I ask that um, your, your revelation will go forth, and that man's wisdom means nothing, Lord. We need a revelation from you, and we need a word from you. So use me as an instrument um, for the next 25 to 30 minutes to touch your people in the way that they need, and I will give you the glory and the honor that only you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. So... Um, I'm pretty excited to talk to you because I got with the teaching team about five months ago, and we get together and we collaborate, and um, I said, this is what God has put on my heart. 
He has put uh, a burden on my heart to teach out of the book of Hebrews. Uh, my Bible study group and I, um, we went through all the chapters, and it really transformed my thinking again. But actually, it actually started with um, one of the first messages that Brother Arshel spoke uh, almost 11 months ago in January. If you recall, back in January, I started out teaching a sermon called Intimacy with God. And then Arshel came behind that message and talked about the hand of God. That message touched me so much that I began to say, Lord, what is your hand on my personal life and on the life of abundant life? I want to see your hand this year. And what he has showed me was that abundant life is becoming a house of worship and a house of prayer. And when that begins to happen, Satan gets nervous. The Lord has told me in my heart, he doesn't care about our programs. He doesn't care how many times we do Bible study. He does, Satan doesn't care how many groups you're a part of, your growth group. All of that is good. But when God's people begin to take worship serious, and when God's people take prayer serious, things will change in the Silicon Valley through abundant life, through God's people like never before. And so I was like, hey, brothers, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the book of Hebrews because I believe when the apostles got the message of the old covenant being gone and the new covenant coming through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changed their world so dramatically that it became their number one message. And it became their number one priority to impact their culture. And I said, what is wrong with your church, Lord? How come we're not impacting your culture? And out of the book of Hebrews, I got so many principles. Um, and then I said, well, hey, John, what are you thinking about? And Emmanuel, what are you thinking about? Um, I don't want to use any bullying tactics. I want to collaborate. <laughs> and so um, submitting to, the, uh, to John and Emmanuel, I think God gave them a powerful word about Nehemiah and the rebuilding. And that series actually touched me as well. And I want to um, kind of piggyback on it, but in a different way. So turn with me if you have it. Let's get into the book of Matthews and get into God's word. All right, starting with verse 24, we know that this is uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 7. Um, but Jesus finishes off in verse 24, and he says this, he says, anyone who listens to my teachings and follow it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Through the rain, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teachings and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Here's what I love. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. One of the things that I want you to, if you are highlighting, I want you to underline the two types of houses uh, one that is built on sand, and one that is built on the rock. I've titled this message, No More Sandcastles, Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everything. 
Where am I going with this? If you recall, um, I talked about how Arshel spoke about the hand of God. And I noticed that we started out talking about that vertical relationship. I talked about the intimacy with God. He talks about the hand of God. For the next three months, under the um, inspiration of the Holy Spirit through Francis Chan, we went into a series, the teaching team called the One Another series. And so after we finished that One Another series, I can see how the hand of God is always on our lives. And if we put him as our first priority, that vertical relationship should extend and impact that horizontal relationship with others. And if you notice this cross behind us, uh, the vertical relationship is longer than uh, the, the, the uh, horizontal. So it kind of tells us that the, the more we stay and connected to our God, the better we should be able to serve one another in love. And I was so excited about what God was doing, as we entered into the Nehemiah series, I couldn't connect the dots of how I wanted to use that with this message. And I, I, I just said, Lord, help me. I want to be inspired by you and you alone. I don't want my wisdom. I don't want man's wisdom. I don't want to read any books. I just want to bask in your glory and hear you give me a word for your people. And when he has shown me through the Nehemiah series, John started off beautifully. He talked about the walls being torn down. And and then when the the walls are torn down in your life, you're acceptable acceptable to the enemy's attacks. And I said, wow, that's, that's good, John, that's good. And Emmanuel talked about we should understand the ways of the Lord. But then Sanjay came and he helped me with the Holy Spirit. He moved him and he talked about Babylon versus Jerusalem. And he talked about how Babylon is now entering into the church. And it was exactly what the Holy Spirit was bringing me to speak to you about. We are the building, folks. It's not about abundant life in this address here. It is about you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we're not built, if we're not built on a solid rock, if we have sandcastles, in our own belief systems, how can we impact the world? We are the church. We are his holy temple. And so here's my case study for you today. Even though you accept Christ as your personal savior, and that is the first start, and now you have this solid foundation, have men come in, either knowingly or unknowingly, and has put sandcastles around your belief systems. Because I'm thinking it happened in Paul's day, and I'm going to prove it through Scripture, and it is happening in our day. And to me, it is the number one cause of why we, as Christians, who have the answer to a dying, desperate world, why we haven't made impact. And it's because we have sandcastles around our belief systems. Now, here's where I want to go. I want to take you to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. And I'm just going to read so I know that I, like I said, I can only talk more than, no more than 30 minutes. So let me just go through these scriptures really quick, and you can go back and digest them yourself. Hebrews 10, verse 1. Check this out. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, 
listen to this, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Listen to this. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Here it is. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. I think it needs to be noted really quick before I continue to read. God had a blood economy when it came to dealing with the sins of people. It is not your confession of sins. It is not your worship. You could say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Under the old law, he'd go, thank you. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the sacrifice? I say that because a lot of us have these sandcastles, and we think that is part of our effort that brings us in right relationship with God. Um, let's keep reading. Um, it goes on to say, I mean, he actually says it. He says, that is why Christ came into the world. He said to God, verse 8. Is that verse 8? I can't see. <laughs> Thank you. You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Listen to this. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or any other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I've come to do your will, God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. For Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or any other offering for sin, nor were, there, no, nor were you pleased with them, though they are acquired by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I've come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant, that's important to remember for this message, in order to put the second one into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy, by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, listen to this, once and for all time. We got to say hallelujah to that. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which never could take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his foot. Isn't this great? For by that one offering, he made perfect those who are being made holy. Listen what the Holy Spirit does. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he says this, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no more need for sacrifice. Powerful stuff. And so... You're asking me, well, Keith, what does that have to do with sandcastles and, and uh, folks coming in and changing the gospel? Turn to Galatians, the third chapter. I think that... As we turn to Galatians, the third chapter, 
I was talking to this, I was talking to my sister Carol about this message. She, she had coined something, um, we don't remember who it was, but I, I love what she said. She says, Keith, this is going to be an awesome message because I read something about man, and man is, has an incurable disease for religion. In other words, men love religion. And uh, that voice that God, when he spoke to her, I, read, I, I wrote down, man, I got to go to Galatians 3. Here's where sandcastles began, and here's what the apostles had to deal with. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as, it, as, as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? Here's where it gets good. After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Did you hear that? Why are you trying to become perfect by your own human life? That's when religion hits. You know what we say? The new covenant doesn't talk about you have to give 10%. It just doesn't. It says be a cheerful giver. But we believe we've heard erroneous preaching, and I'm not trying to knock our brothers because we all are growing. And I'm not perfect, and I might say things that you will write and go, you were crazy, I heard that message, and God bless you, I will take it, and, and, and whatever is worth, you know. <laughs> uh, either it will bless me or I'll go, okay, thank you. But that's a sandcastle. That is not under the new covenant. God loves a cheerful giver. We can't just take part of the old covenant and bring it into the new covenant. God loves a cheerful You could give 20%, and if you give it gladly, he's happy. Or you could give 10% and go, man, this is what they told me to do. And it doesn't count for nothing. And then you can give 2% because that is your very best because you're taking care of your family. And God is going, look how, she does. Look how he or she gave that. They're, you're not under the law. You're not under the law. Another thing that we do a lot of, and, and elders and pastors continually to pray, uh, and we pray for you and we love praying for you, but I've noticed that a lot of my brothers and sisters come with a lot of condemnation. But what does the Bible say for those that are in Christ Jesus? There's what? Why do we walk in condemnation and guilt? Human effort. It is Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everything. But our egos will not let us surrender to the fact that we have a loving God who loved us so much. Now, the law, nothing wrong with the law. What the law does, though, is show you your sin. So, you know, Paul was like, the law is perfect, but the law showed me that I was a covet. I covet people, and I want something that's not mine. If it hadn't been for the law, I wouldn't know that I was a sinner. But the problem that we have, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that we live in a fallen world, and because we were in Adam, all of us have adopted Adam's nature. And I remember talking to a person that I was witnessing to, and that's not fair. I didn't, you know, why am I, uh, you, you call me a sinner? I mean, you know, I'm a good person. I go, well, you, you're born into Adam, and because Adam fell, sin came into the world. I go, I know it's not fair, but it's also not fair that Jesus had to die for it. What one man did, another man, so it kind of equals out. 
You know, <laughs> so, and here we are as Christians, we have the best news in the world. We have the greatest treasure in the world. And yet, our hearts should be grieving. Remember how Nehemiah grieved when he looked at the condition of his people? We need to grieve when we look at the condition of humankind. We need to grieve and say, man, we are not, we, the reason that we're not shocked about what happened in Paris, the reason that we're not shocked on a, when kids go in and kill, kill other kids in Columbine, the reason that we're not shocked when there's police brutality, the reason that we're not shocked when there's divorce and there's disease and there's cancer is because we live in a fallen world. And it's not going to get any better. And then when they see your joy and when they see your peace, and when they see your marriage and how you walk in love and how you are forgiving, then they say, why are you different? I'm so glad you asked. Uh, can I introduce you to Jesus Christ? This is what we're not doing. We are now judging the church, as Sanjay said, with a Babylon experience. Where is the great marketing program? Who's the great preacher? Who's got the greatest choir? No wonder Satan is laughing at us. No wonder he's not worried about us. I think he's went fast asleep. He doesn't even have to worry about God's most important. We're ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador represents another kingdom in a foreign country. But because we don't think we live in a foreign country and we're passing through and we're holding on to this earth and everything in it, we can't even, we can't even represent God's kingdom. You know why? Because we've had sandcastles around our belief system, and we think that our God that we serve is here to get, make our lives better, make it easier, make it more comfortable. We've been taught this sloppy agape. If I tithe, there's going to be an investment and a return on my investment. You know, uh, and we take all these scriptures out of, out of context, and we have this church that is impotent because it is not affecting the world. We can't even... Let me give you an example. We can't even witness to people that walk in a lifestyle of homosexuality without condemning them, without throwing uh, the book of Leviticus at them. And I used to be one of them. I used to label sin. Hmm, lying is not as bad as murder. You know, fornicating, heterosexual fornication, having sex outside of God's will, this is not as bad as homosexuality. And, and, and we minimize sin, and, and, and God said, man, let me tell you something, the wages of sin is death. I'm a holy God. It is so bad, I have to send my only begotten son. Because the, the blood of bulls and goats won't do it. It has to be the blood of a holy God, wrapped up in human form. You see what I'm saying? Taking on our sins. Why don't, why don't, we, we need to just, the Bible tells us to be gentle with all people. All people. Here we are judging sin, and I was part. I was, man, I was judging sin. How do I? I don't know if you're saved or not. You could be carnal, but you could have accepted Christ, and you need to be discipled. You need to. I mean, we, we take behavior the wrong way, and I did it for years. Behavior is not an indication that you're saved. Now he says, don't mess with this grace. This grace should not be a license for you to sin. 
if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, and when you begin to walk by the Holy Spirit, let me tell you the difference between the Holy Spirit and the flesh. And then he goes on in Galatians 5, and you can read it, and he talks about how the Holy Spirit, when, he, when he's living through us, and when we are submitted to him, there will be joy, there will be peace, there will be kindness, there will be gentleness. And then when you walk by the flesh, guess what? You're angry, you're gossiping. And so these things are very apparent. And that's the struggle that we face as Christians. But at the same time, I'm getting back to trying to wrap around the Nehemiah series of rebuilding God's house. I don't want us to miss the main message, we're the house. It's not about what are the elders going to do, what's our next direction. You know what it's about? Do you really know what the gospel means? (laughs) That's what it's about. Do you really know how great we have it, and do you know how to proclaim it? It's not about how many programs we have, who's preaching, who's not preaching. I'm so tired of that. Now, I do know that God has given us gifts, and we need gifted people to elevate us and to equip us in the Ephesians 4 model so that we will be mature and perfect in Christ. That's it. I don't know any other. I know a lot of us sit around and try to go, what do you think is the mission? I just go crazy. (laughs) This is not Google. God wants us to be like Christ. He just does. I'm not saying that you don't, that, I mean, I don't have a vision, so, you know, sorry. But I think God gives our brothers and sisters visions. But if it's not wrapped around the person of Jesus Christ, if it doesn't begin, and if it's not in the middle, and if it's not in the end, it's just your wisdom. And you become impotent, and then when your favorite person's not here anymore, we have empty seats. Isn't that a shame? Doesn't that insult God? When you... I thought I was on the throne. I mean, we start lifting up our personalities, human effort. We start taking the gift that he gave us. <laughs> That's another one. He gave us the gift. You know, and then we begin to glorify it. Man, he sure can't sing. Can he preach? I even said stuff like, I go to his church. I go to such and such church. I mean, it, I mean, I'm just so glad he don't strike me dead when I used to say stuff like that. It ain't, it's God, it's, when did it become such and such church? This is God's church. This is Christ's church. You know, so I'm just, I'm just speaking from the heart. I am so tired of us, Abundant Life, and this is the thing that I really want to say. The reason that you're here and Sanjay called you faithful and he called you a remnant, and I do believe this. We're different. You guys have gone through the ups and downs of abundant life, and I'm going to tell you why. Because God wants you to be his building. He wants you to be his temple. He wants you to start something that is so fresh in the Silicon Valley that you're not moved by men. You're not moved by women. You're moved by the only power of the Holy Spirit, and that's it. That's why we all stayed. I was trying to figure it out myself. Why am I here, Lord? Oh, I get it now. You want me to be a part of a movement, a spiritual awakening that's going to smoke the Silicon Valley. We are going to be a unique church. We're not, we're not, we're not going to be enamored by personality. We're not gonna be ena- we are only going to be enamored by your grace and your mercy and what you've done for us. That's what we are. I, I just believe that with all my heart. I really do. I, I'm resting in the Lord now. What else are you going to do, Lord? Because if our job is to make sure that you get built up. 
Every teacher that steps in this pulpit, whether it's a female, a male, I don't care what you believe, there's so many gifts here. I mean, I've been blessed by people's personal testimonies. So many gifts here. How dare we label it? I mean, a 10-year-old can come up here and give a blessing, and that's it. We should close the doors and walk out. Let's stop letting these sandcastles, these false belief systems, hinder us. And it used to just drive the apostles crazy. It just drove them crazy. Now, don't hear me. Hear me. When you learn the difference between how God created you, we're tripod, body, soul, and spirit. And here's another false belief system. The body's dirty. No, it's not. Because God said, I'm going to come and live in you, and you're going to be... You're going to be a building. You're going to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to use you as an instrument of righteousness. So how's my body dirty if he's going to use me as an instrument of righteousness? Sandcastles. We need to learn how to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can glorify God in our word, thought, and deed. As a matter of fact, in the book of Romans, in the 7th chapter, Paul says that we're dead to sin. So you know what shocks me? We should be more shocked when brothers and sisters live a lifestyle of sin instead of that false belief, oh, I'm just a sinner. We have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, greater is he that's in us than sin, and sin should be dead, and we've been crucified, but we're not shocked and not amazed. You mean you've been living a life? Man, you need, what kind of teaching are you getting? That teaching is going to stop at abundant life, and I think we need, this, we need to move forward in 2016 and have people like Arshel teach on the Holy Spirit. I know he's mastered it. You know, we had to have people like Valerie teach on evangelism. That's her gift. You know, let's stop labeling people and let's just say, God, bless us, equip us, you know, any, any way you want. Abundant life. I know I'm talking a lot. This has been on my heart. I'm sorry. I had to give birth to this, you know. And here's what I want to say to you. I'm getting ready to close. He's getting ready to use us. Satan is getting ready to attack us. You do need... Did you ever see that room, that movie War Room? We need to get on our knees. Because I'm trying to tell you, we're getting ready to blow up. And I don't, I'm not talking numbers, but I, I still go back to what Shell said about the hand of God. When we start worshiping him and praying, look what he's doing. I think a spiritual awakening is getting ready to happen. I just came to tell you that. And the walls, it's not about this building... We're his temple, and I want to say that over and again. Let's keep Babylon leaders, people that know God, let's get Babylon out of here. And let's return to building a house that God is coming back for. Amen? You can stand.